We continue this morning hearing from the Sermon on the Mount, and it reminds us, uh, I just want to take a brief moment to go over uh, just where we've been. So we have the context of the Beatitudes that led us last week uh, to hear about the Jesus calling us to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world, then leading into the connection with today's gospel of these, um, what they call in scripture, the antitheses. You've heard it said one way, but Jesus says another. And going back to the Beatitudes, it's, I didn't really understand them. Uh, it was for a, a long time growing up that I thought they were just the, um, as the bad pastor joke goes, the attitudes we were supposed to be. Not really the, um, I didn't see how it connected to my life. But it wasn't until I had to start preaching uh, and being a deacon and now as a priest uh, having to really dive into these beatitudes that I have found uh, great richness in them and really love now uh, talking about these wonderful, um, these wonderful beatitudes in the entire Sermon on the Mount. Because in them, in the sermon, in these beatitudes, Jesus gives us the key to the Christian life. The Catechism speaks about the Beatitudes, saying that the Beatitudes depict the countenance of Jesus Christ, and they portray His charity. The Beatitudes show us the face of Christ. They show us how to live, because Jesus shows us how to live, of the Christian way of life. The way to find happiness, the way to find joy in this world as a believer in Jesus and they are focused for our heavenly home. A couple, yeah, like I said, a couple weeks ago, we heard about uh, these Beatitudes and, and we continue our, our journey through them this week. And, but Jesus is raising the bar. He is saying uh, this was the old way in the Old Testament, and, but now he's coming to fulfill them, to fulfill the old law. This idea of fulfillment has been something I've been puzzled by for quite a while. Um, what, what does it mean to fulfill? I've, I've asked this question for years now, trying to understand this idea of fulfillment. Um, I, haven't, I don't think I've like got the idea, uh, but I think part of it for me is uh, this idea of fulfillment is, is a growth in perfection. It's a completion of in our context, the old law. Why does it need to be completed? Why does Jesus come to say he has come to fulfill the law? I think one reason is that the old law is not perfect. There are gaps in the old law that, um, or maybe we could say accommodations given for the Israelites because they, they, were, they were not yet perfect. They were on the way, and we are too, but there was... This, this context of uh, they, they weren't yet ready for the full law. And so in, in these antitheses that we hear from our gospel today, that Jesus comes to fulfill the law, to perfect it, to, to, to bring about the, um, the perfection of the law, to make up for the gaps. Because we see that Jesus uh, speaks about um, all those different things we'll dive into in just a moment. But this, when Jesus goes into these things, it, it makes me a little nervous because there's a greater expectation now. There's a greater call for 
a more perfect heart, a more perfect way of life. Not just fulfilling all the, the old laws of you have to, to sacrifice this animal on this day and make this yearly pilgrimage and all the things you have to do. Jesus is raising the bar and saying it starts now in the heart. It starts in our heart and it starts in our lives every day. But the good news that what Jesus is saying is he is going to be there to help us. We don't have to do it on our own anymore. Last week I was uh, on vacation and I met a guy named Kevin. Uh, we, he gave me a ride back to the airport uh, and it was about a two-hour drive. And in the midst of our, our, our drive together, I got to know him during the week. And uh, during our conversations, he shared a story with me that I think could be appropriate for our gospel and just this context today. Because when he was a teenager, he was probably mid-50s, when it was, he was a teenager, he remembered uh, going to a Christian church uh, growing up, uh, kind of off and on. And while he was there, there was a, a young woman, one of his friends, that kept asking him, do you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? He said, yes, yes, I do. I've been baptized. And, um, and then he's, she said, okay, great, you're good. He, she said, but he's, yeah, she said that he was, all right, great, you're going to go to heaven. But he asked her, really? Something didn't quite jive with him. Something didn't quite make sense because he was like, okay, it's good to believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. It is good to believe that, that uh, and, and be baptized. But he was wondering, he was wrestling with this idea of once saved, always saved? Is that true? And, and she said, yes. But he was wrestling with this in his heart. And even to this day, last week, he, was, uh, he brought this up, and I, I think it's very important because um, in, in what she was, what he was, my friend Kevin was wrestling with is these choices that I make every day, do they matter? These choices I make every day in my life, do they have an importance? Or is it just, doesn't matter? He thought in the depths of his heart, he wasn't Catholic, but he, he was wrestling with this idea that, um, and, and puzzled by, I think my choices matter. I think it's important that the things I do are good. And, and, and it's not just once saved, always saved. And we see this in our gospel because Jesus is raising the bar for us. He is saying that your choices, our choices, our life, the way that we live matters. The things we choose to do, how we live, how we respond to situations in our life matter. If there are consequences for our actions, for our way of life. And our Lord is, is trying to help us with his grace to, to call us higher. To call us into living our faith day after day. Choosing what is good. And this is the Christian life. To be the salt of the earth, the light of the world to be the instruments God uses to transform our world, to live this moral and virtuous life. It starts in our hearts. It is no longer just our exterior actions, but it starts in our hearts. Jesus begins by speaking about anger. 
Do we call people names in our minds or maybe in person when we get angry on the road or the grocery store or at home? This is what Jesus is talking about. He's getting to the nitty-gritty dimensions of our life. How do we respond to different situations? Are we giving ourselves a pass because we're just set in our ways? Brothers and sisters, God is challenging us. Jesus is saying, I say to you, is he is inviting us to a higher level today. He's calling us up and saying, I will be with you. I will help you to pray and have a greater love for those people in our life and daily, slowly asking God's blessing upon them. It doesn't mean that we don't get angry, but it's responding versus reacting. To pray and love the person who is pushing our buttons. So we can still be frustrated, but it's how do we respond in that moment of frustration? It starts in our hearts. Jesus then speaks about looking with lust at another person. He's not, he is not saying it is sinful to recognize the beauty of another person. But it turns sinful when we fixate and mull over and return to that thought over and over again. St. Augustine explained in, about this passage, that about looking with lust, that when he wrote how it turns sinful, when one would consent to that to giving in to that thought if the opportunity arose. So the challenge for us, for every Christian, is to look with, pure, with purity, with a chaste heart, because this is a big deal. Because Jesus uses now this exaggerated metaphor. He's not saying for us to actually pluck out our eyes or cut off our hands or our limbs, but showing us that it, how important it is to have a pure heart, to look with Christ's eyes, at all those in the world. And so if something is causing us to sin, we cut it out. We cut it out of our lives so that we can, again, have a heart for Christ. We can be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Next, Jesus speaks about the need to keep the marriage bond holy. And I'd love to speak about this more, but there's, that's a whole homily or a couple homilies in and of itself. So I'd love to do that another time. So hopefully soon. But again, this, it's the idea of keeping the marriage bond that God created, that, we, um, that a number of you, many of you have entered into in your life, uh, to keep that holy. And again, God gives you that grace to do so. And our Lord concludes uh, by challenging us to always speak the truth. To always speak the truth in our lives. Let our yes mean yes and our no mean no. To not be wishy-washy, to, to, uh, to speak the truth that comes from God. And to not lie. To not wiggle around the truth. Again, Jesus is calling and raising the bar for us to help others to grow and be built up in faith, hope, and love. And so again, we'll hear three more antitheses next week. But the, again, this entire Sermon on the Mount is leading us and trying to teach us about the Christian life. How are we supposed to live? This is the roadmap. This is the, uh, the way that we are called to live. And again, Jesus is going to help us. Jesus is going to guide us because Jesus doesn't command anything for us. 
that he didn't also give us the grace to carry out. I think I've, I've shared this story before, uh, but I was going back through my Bible, and I have a couple notes in there, especially about the Sermon on the Mount. And there was a time when we were, as a deacon class, we went to Israel and to the Holy Land, and we were sitting on the Sermon of, uh, on the Mount. We were sitting at the place where Jesus gave this sermon. And while we were there, there was a young father with his two sons, and he, I was just sitting off uh, by, within earshot of, the, uh, of this young father. And he's going through the Beatitudes, reading them to his sons. And I was there dressed in uh, my black shirt and black pants and uh, very much clearly uh, a deacon and a priest. And then he looked up to me and he said something that I haven't forgotten. He said, you are to live this. He said, you are to live this. And I was like, yes, sir. And I pose that uh, statement to all of us, myself included again this morning. We are to live this. Yes, it may be challenging at times, but the grace of God is with us. The grace of God is here to bless us today, to help us on this journey um, and to live our Christian life day by day. We're not alone. We're strengthened by the sacraments. We're strengthened uh, by the scriptures and most importantly, by Christ himself. He will be with us and help us today. And just a brief word, uh, we, have, we know that Lent is coming up. And so as we meditate this week on these antitheses, on these areas that God is calling us to grow, and we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, to see what things are you asking me to fast from? What things am I being asked, is God asking me to cut out of my life so I can live a greater, more joyful, more pure Christian life? And in the ways that we are called to give of ourselves in, uh, in prayer and in fasting and almsgiving. And so just an invitation so that Lent doesn't uh, sneak up upon us, but that we are prepared to continue growing in our Christian faith. And so we, uh, we pray for this grace today. Amen.